So Colossians chapter 2, we're starting at verse number 11. I've entitled the message today, Deeper, Deeper. Let me read it to you. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In him you were buried uh, with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding the festivals or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are all a shadow of things to come. But the substance or the essence is of Christ. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. May your word speak life to our soul today. And we pray your Holy Spirit to enlighten us. Let us hear and see the things that you have for us in this message, in this passage. Anoint me, Lord. Anoint my lips and my mind and my spirit that I may deliver this word the way you want. Lord, in all things, be glorified through this and let your church be built up and edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So are you ready for the word now? I feel, you know, some Sundays I feel like we get to this point really quickly. And other days, it feels like it took a while to get here. But today was one of those days where, for me, it took a while to get here. But here we are. So I hope you're ready for the word today. I, I think of Colossians chapter 2. And if you're, if you're visiting or new, we're going through the entire epistle verse by verse. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been in chapter 2. Uh, last week, the message was entitled, Complete. The week before that, the message was entitled, Making Progress. And today, the title is, is uh, Deeper. And so I think there's a flow of what Paul is saying to the church that we can make progress, we can be complete in him, and we can go deeper in him. But right here, uh, Paul is making a little transition going from the error of uh, Gnosticism, which is in verse number 8, the philosophies of the world and so forth, to now uh, straightening out some misconceptions about legalism. And practices within the church. Before I go any further, let me just recognize Joe and Leda right here. This couple was married a week ago Saturday. So God bless you guys. We're proud of you. I meant to do it earlier and it slipped my mind. But but this is a couple that, that has received Christ. Worked out a lot of things to come to a place to get married right here uh, last Sunday. Beautiful service we had. Amen. So anyway, so he's talking about... Uh, straightening out some issues with legalism. So if you listen, just look at this quickly. In verse number 11, he's talking about circumcision. Verse number 12, he's talking about baptism. Verse number 16, he's talking about food and drink and feast and new moon and Sabbaths. So Paul is like reiterating this whole concept like he did in verse number 10. You don't need any other philosophies. You don't need any other things out there. All you need is Jesus. You're complete in him. And he continues with the thought that, that it's in him that you are, like when you're in Christ, you have all these different things that are applied to you. 
We don't need traditions or ceremonies or special festivals. We don't need anything associated with the stars or the moon or even in the spirit realm. With verse number 15, he even conquered that. But I hope that today we have a greater understanding of what Christ has done for us and who we are in Christ. You know, your faith and my faith is the greatest asset that we have in life. It's not your bank account, by the way. It's not your legacy in the work world or whatever you do for a living. Your greatest legacy that people will remember and cherish and hold in their heart is your faith. So I hope that today we could recognize our faith and and, and appreciate it a little bit more. After we go through this verse by verse, uh, I want to give you three, three ways to help you go deeper in your faith. So verse number 11 I want to start right there. He's reiterating verse number 10 regarding being in him. And may I say this right off the bat? You're either in him or you're not in him. There's no middle ground. You know, you can't say you're a Christian and not be a Christian or not act like or think like a Christian. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. If you're in him, you died to yourself and you're continuing to die to yourself and living for him. If you're not in him, you're living very... uh, Selfishly, only for yourself. And there's a world of difference between the two. And it's a decision that we all have to make each and every day. So quickly, looking at this, verses 11, 12, and 13. If we're in him, I'll be going back over this, so just hang with me for a minute. But if we're in him, we're circumcised by his death on the cross. That's verse 11. If we're in him, we're buried with him. That's the beginning of verse number 12. And if we're in him, we're risen again. We're risen up as he was risen out of the grave. And verse number 13, if we're in him, we're forgiven. And the burden of life and hardship and problems and issues and feeling downtrodden all the time is taken off of our back. And we're liberated to live our life for him. So it says in verse number 11, in him you were also circumcised. Well, you know what? For the Jewish people, they know all about circumcision. This was part of the Abrahamic covenant where the the foreskin was cut off the male. And it it was an outward sign of being cut off and consecrated and separated to God. The problem with that was that the Jewish nation never had the power to live a life of real consecration to God. They had the law, but they didn't have the spirit of God to empower them to live out that law. So in the New Testament, we have a different circumcision. Verse number 11 says, we have a circumcision that is not made with hands. It's a spiritual circumcision. Actually, Jesus did it all for us on the cross. It says in verse number 11 at the end of it, it's the circumcision of Christ. By his circumcision, we have put off and cut off the sin of our own flesh. Romans 129 says, the circumcision that we have is of the heart. It's in the spirit, not of the letter. So we, whether male or female, if we're in Christ, we've been circumcised by Christ's circumcision at the cross. Think about that with me for a minute. It's a, little, it's a little bit complex to think about, but when Jesus was on the cross, he was definitely cut. He was pierced. He was bruised. He was stabbed. He was bleeding. He was definitely cut and, and, and bruised and suffered for our salvation. He was also cut off from the love of his Father. Remember when he said... Father, why have you forsaken me? 
Scripture tells us that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. So let me reiterate this. To, to, you, you must be in Christ to appreciate all of that. So the circumcision in the Old Testament is a type or a shadow of the circumcision in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was symbolic. In the New Testament, Jesus actually did it. And our faith in him gives us the benefits of that circumcision. It says in verse number 11, we've been circumcised, uh, we've been crucified with Christ, and we're empowered to live that life now, which we, we see in verses 12 and 13. So the New Testament, or the gospel, grants us the power in resurrection life to enjoy the circumcised life under Christ. Are you getting all this? This is like theology right here. But this is what happened when we put our faith in Jesus. He didn't just die on the cross. There's a lot going on with him dying on the cross. So in the context of this, Paul is saying, you don't, circumcision in and of itself is not going to help you, but the circumcision of Christ will help you. And in water baptism, in verse number 12, water baptism in and of itself will not save you. It's symbolic of what God has done in you already. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, go into all the world and preach and baptize people. It's a very important thing to do. But, but in Romans 6, Paul talks about water baptism. He says, you've been buried with him through baptism unto death. So if we're in him, we're circumcised by his circumcision of death, and we're buried with him, and the old man dies. And all the spouses said, hallelujah. <laughs> Joe, did you get that? <laughs> you will. <laughs> You've been married for one week and one day, so it's good. It's good. You'll get that. <laughs> so, in him you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We've been cut. We've been set free. The flesh nature has been cut because of what Jesus did for us. You have to think about that. He didn't just die. You know, he died with a purpose. He took all of that as, as our circumcision, if you will, look at it that way. Verse number 12. In him, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're circumcised, and you're not only circumcised, but now you're buried with him. If you're in Christ... Your old man has been buried with Christ. And all the spouses said amen to that. Your old nature is buried. It's covered over. That's why the symbolism of water baptism is so important. So if you're in him, you're, 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 you're circumcised with him, but you're buried with him. Your old man dies. But verse number 12 says, you were also raised with him through faith. I love how this is worded in the New King James. It says, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. little complex statement there. But what he's saying is, as Jesus was raised from the dead, so you're raised from your old nature. When you put your faith and trust in God, he raises you up to be a new creation. 
Philippians 2, 12 and 13. I, I love Philippians 2, 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? We know that. But the next verse says, For it is God that works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You work out your own salvation, but God's working in you through that. So when he says in verse number 12, You were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Let me just encourage you, church. Let God continue his work in you. The working of God is very special and very different for all of us, but God is at work in every one of us. So let the working of God have his way. What that really refers to is the resurrection power of Christ is now at work in you. So this is a powerful statement, what Paul is saying here. You know, he's saying you don't need the traditions, the philosophies. In verse number uh, 16, you don't need those things. You have Jesus and all that he did for you. So if, if God has raised Jesus from the grave, which he did, he also raises us out of our own old nature. So the new life then is, is not based on circumstances. We, we talked about this recently, and I talk about it often. You know, someone might, might say, or someone may question, are you born again? Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, why are you having all these problems? You ever hear that? If you're in Christ, why are you having all these problems? And my answer is, because I'm in Christ. That's why. Yeah, things are going to happen. I mean, Paul wrote in Romans 6, if, if we're united in his death, we will be united together in his resurrection. The old man was crucified, and we're no longer slaves of sin. But see, our circumstances don't dictate our position in Christ. If that were the case, my goodness. Let's get a bunch of millionaires. They're all, they must be okay with God. Uh, I don't think so. It's not based on the outward. It's based on what God is doing in our hearts. Kind of like I remember as a, a Christian early on in our lives when people would say to us things like, do you know that you know? And the first time I heard it, I said, well, what do you mean by that? Do you know that you know? Like nothing anybody says it's going to change your opinion about what God is doing in your life. Do you know that you know? You may have some bills to pay or sickness or whatever, but do you know that you know that God is with you? And I say, yes, yes. So, verses 11 and 12, circumcision by Christ, buried with him, raised with him. And verse number 13, I love it, you who are now in Christ, right? Uh, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. By the way, does anyone remember those days of your lives when you were uncircumcised to Christ? I do. I, I, it wasn't a good time. I thought it was a good time. But it was all about me. It was all about what I wanted. It was all about satisfying my flesh. I'm just being honest with you. And you all have your own story. But when you're uncircumcised to Christ, man, the sky's the limit how, how far away you're going to go. Because it's all about you. But he says here in verse 13, you were once dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And I don't mean that everyone has to be a drug addict or in jail to appreciate this. I know many good people that, were that, are, that are uncircumcised in their flesh. 
And they're far away from God. They may be successful in life, but they're far away from God. But he has made us alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. I just want to make a connection here that sometimes the forgiveness of sins in our lives has to happen so that we can enjoy the newness of life in him. For me, had a lot of burdens and guilt and shame on my shoulders and my mind. It prevented me from being who God made me to be. But when I became born again, when I was circumcised with Christ and buried with him, but risen with him as well, I was forgiven of my sins. And you know what? I believe that I was forgiven. I still believe that I'm forgiven. Sometimes my old man creeps in and say, you're still, you're still not a good person. You're, you're still guilty of whatever. And I say, get behind me, Satan. The word of God says that I've been delivered and set free. I don't need to live in my past. I need to learn from my past, but I don't need to dwell in my past. I shared with you, I think last week, my cousin heard me preach one time on on a video. And she called me up and said, who was that guy preaching? She knew it was me, but she said, that wasn't really you. I said, yeah, that was me. I'm a new person in Christ. Go to these high school reunions. People look at you, first of all, you don't look anything like you did when you were 18, (laughs) whether whether you're saved or not. (laughs) I mean, people were looking at me, but I was looking at them like, who's that guy? They're looking at me the same way. Uh, But, you know, people are wondering, what happened to you? Man, I got saved. What? Got the Spirit of God in me. What? And some some friendships dropped off during that weekend because they don't want to know about it. Others picked up, which I was surprised at. But some people are curious. That's why it's important to let your light shine. You never know what's going to happen. You may get dissed, but you may get drawn to other people, which is what happened in my case. Okay, so uh, where are we? Okay, so we're at 11, 12, and 13. Verse 11 has to do with the cross. Verse 12 has to do with the burial. Verse 12, the second part, has to do with the empty tomb. Are you living in those? I, I want to bring it out because this is how we go deeper. Listen, it's not, oh, Lord, help me now. I, I love worship today. I love worship every Sunday. I love it. I love it. I love it. But how we feel during worship is not the thing. The thing is how we are in Christ. Because you might feel good in worship and not really be good with God on the inside. It may feel good. It may look good. The thing is, in our culture, people use worship for entertainment purposes. You know, the latest thing, the latest song, the latest album, or the latest whatever, the latest worship uh, uh, ministry going out. It's like entertain. People go to get entertained. And that has little to do with how we are. Well, maybe it does have a lot to do with how we are in Christ. But, but what Paul is saying here, it's not the exterior things that happen. It's, it's how we go deeper understanding what God did for you. So we have the cross in verse 11. We have the burial in verse 12. And the, and the empty tomb in verse 12. I'm, in, in verse 12. And in verse 13, we have total forgiveness of our sins. That's where it's at, church. That's where it's at. I don't know how many of you were brought up in church as a kid, but... In my, in my uh, world, we used to go to the confessional every week. And I, I was so, like, innocent. I, I used to make up things to say to the priest because I didn't have anything. And then I would say I lied. 
<laughs> but I, I remember just going in. But then as I got older, it got more serious, you know. And I, I started to think, gee, I just want to be forgiven. And I would always have this feeling of guilt over me. And it hindered me. It made me, uh, it made me, it made me feel uh, inferior. It made me feel a little bit reclusive, believe it or not. I was really timid, and I was afraid of everything. But it was all because my own head, my own sin was all over. And I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get away from it. And it hindered me. I was, I was sharing with Juanita yesterday. In our, in our fellowship during the time of the Mass, some of you may remember, there was a certain point. Well, first of all, in the 60s, they changed the whole Catholic thing. But anyway, at one point, the priest would say, offer each other the sign of peace. And every week, I would sense it coming, because I, I knew the Mass. I would sense it coming, and I started to think, oh, Lord, I don't want to shake anybody. I don't even want to see anybody. I would get anxious over the fact that I had to turn and say, hello, peace be with you. It used to bother me. I was just so wrapped up in it. I was so wrapped up in it. But I don't know. I see in verse number 13, by this new life, we have forgiveness of sin. It's totally connected the freedom, the new life, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. In, in my heart, I'm forgiven. It's all connected to release me and you to be who in the world God made you to be. Amen. Come on. Sin holds us down. Guilt holds us down. Shame holds us back. I did that for 26 years of my life. At age 26, I received Jesus with Pamela, and that's when things started to change. I started to see I'm not bound by my idiotic past. There's a whole future ahead of me. Why? Because I'm forgiven. The slate. Well, I heard about analogies like the slate has been wiped clean, like, like the marker board's cleaned off, like there's nothing on it anymore. What I, get, what I put on there is up to me now. Whoa, that revolutionized my thinking. I can do all things through Christ. It says what it says. If I'm born again and living for the Lord. So verse number 14, let's move on here. Verse number 14. Having wiped out the hand... Let me give you a paraphrase of verse number 14. He put the law of of Moses and nailed it on the cross. That's verse 14. It's a paraphrase. He took the law of... No, the Ten Commandments and the law. All those laws. There's so many. I mean, even what clothes to wear. He put it, nailed them all, you know, nailed it all to the cross. He said in verse 14, those laws were, um, were a handwriting, the handwriting of requirements that was against us, contrary to us. Uh, he's taken it out of the way and he's nailed it to the cross. So for the Jews, this is phenomenal. For the Gentiles, they're just getting an education. But those laws were impossible to keep anyway. For the Jews, they may have been relieved that they're no longer in the way. They don't have to follow the law. Now we can live by grace. But with a right understanding of grace, we don't abuse grace and do whatever we want. No, we, we're strengthened by grace to live after God. Verse 15, one of my favorites. He made a public spectacle of principalities and powers. He disarmed them, triumphing over them in it. I just want to think about this for a minute, but he made a public spectacle. That needs to be defined. Public means in the natural and in the spiritual. 
Think uh, Mark 4 and Luke 4 when uh, Jesus was tempted by Satan. That was a real event that happened. Think Ephesians 6 when Paul wrote, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age and the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Think about Matthew 27 when Jesus died on that cross. Something in the spiritual realm was absolutely going on. Good Friday, the earth quaked, right? It got dark. The veil of the temple was cut in two, and the coffins opened up. And those dead, dead believers of the past stood up in their coffin. And on Easter Sunday, they got up and walked around the city of Jerusalem. There was something spiritual going on at that time. This is exactly what Jesus came to do. 1 John 3, 8. He came to destroy the works of Satan. So on a personal note, if you've got something in your life that's not right, if Satan's got a stronghold in you, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying sometimes Christians deal with those issues. But let me tell you, Jesus came to destroy the work of Satan in your life and in my life. That's why he came. So in... We see verse number, uh, verse number uh, 15, he disarmed the principalities. He made them ineffective. He made them unusable. He, he made them like of no, use, no power anymore. Matthew 12, Jesus said, you've got to bind the strong man. Luke 10, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven, uh, fall like lightning from heaven. Hebrews 2, Jesus said, or Jesus is referred to as, as, as coming to destroy the one who had power over death. As in John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to kill, rob, and destroy. Well, Jesus said, I come to give life and give it abundantly. Jesus has defeated Satan and the power of Satan. And he triumphs over them through the victory of the cross. Let me put it this way. Every time somebody receives Christ, there's a triumph over Satan. Every time one of us repents before God, there's a victory over, a triumph over Satan. Every time we have a personal victory and we don't do what we maybe think we would do, like we catch ourselves, it's a victory and a triumph over Satan. Every time, we, every time we live righteously, and listen, nobody will even know, but you'll know. Every time we don't do what we used to do, it's a victory and a triumph over Satan. Romans 6 says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Do you hear this, church? You want to go deeper? You can't settle for where you are. I can't settle for where I am. There's actually no excuse except my flesh or your flesh. That's the excuse. Lord, I can't help it. Lie. May the Holy Ghost come upon you. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witnesses. Right? That's what he says. You'll receive power. Joe and Leda, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes over you. Amen. You know, all of us. We can't, we, or we could settle for where we are if, if we want. God's not going to twist our arm, although he may make life miserable for a little while, while that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Verse number 16, it says, so, so let no, this kind of a summary. So let nobody judge you. In your walk with God. Just to put it all together. Let no one say, well, you weren't circumcised. You weren't baptized. You did this wrong. You didn't do this. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? Don't worry about the little things. He says here, don't worry about food or drink or festivals or a new moon or Sabbath. What are you talking about? Like, 
Don't worry about Old Testament laws and traditions and celebrations and feasts. The important thing is Christ, verse 17. The substance is Christ. Where are you with Christ? It doesn't matter how many things you keep on the church calendar. You could be a million miles away from God and keep all those things. And the Lord would say, I never even knew you. So this is is what Paul is saying. I like how he breaks it down. Verses 8, 9, and 10, you don't need the philosophies of the world. Verses 11 through 17, you don't need these other things. Because what was happening, the Jews or other people were telling the Christians, you need to do these things. You need to do these things. And Paul's saying, time out. We're complete in Christ. We're crucified with Christ. We're buried with Christ. We're risen with Christ. We're forgiven of our sins. He's defeated demons and principalities. We have a victory in Christ. So don't worry about the little stuff. Worry about the big stuff. How is your life pleasing to God? How are you living your life in real time, in real experience, when only you and God know what's going on, and maybe your spouse? I can't keep throwing that in. See, our our posture, I want to give you three things to help you go deeper. But our posture in Christ is never one of apathy. Didn't we pray this morning, Lord, free people from apathy? I think that came out in the prayer. Apathy is a terrible thing. You know, it, it makes you feel ineffective and uncaring and lazy and unproductive. It's a terrible thing. It doesn't belong in a Christian's vocabulary. We, should, we can't be apathetic. We're designed to be moving forward, growing, changing, developing, pursuing, uh, making progress, living in completeness, and going deeper in the Lord. I'm thankful now, I mean, you know, I, I, none of us have arrived, but I can say I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm not where I was when I first got saved. Amen? My pastor told me one time many years ago, well, Rick, thank the Lord you're not worried about that other thing anymore. You're worried about something a little bit more substantial. I said, yeah, you're right. I've grown, I guess. Did you get that? Like, what's bothering you? Is it little or is it it big? Let the big thing bother you and move away from the little thing. But I want to give you three things, and uh, I I don't know, this will be kind of short and sweet, I think. I always say that. And then my, my wife says, that wasn't so... No, no, just, just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. So if you want to go deeper with God, okay, here's the thing. Number one, you've got to make sure you're in Christ and not around Christ. Because there's a lot of people in the church world that are definitely around Christ, around the church, around the cross, but they are definitely not in Christ. Why do I say that? Because I've seen and you've seen many people that are so selfish. It's like they're their own God. And so I'm just saying, if you want to go deeper, you got to search your own heart. you got to search your own soul and see where you are with God. Jesus, uh, looking at these verses, verse 11, talking about the cross and verse 12, the, the tomb. He invites us to the tomb. We could say, hey, you want to go to church today? Yeah, okay. Okay, let's go to the tomb. What do you mean the tomb? The tomb is where you die. Jesus is calling you to die today. You want to come? Because after you die, he'll raise you up to live. But see, you have to come. You have to be in the position to allow yourself to die. Many around the cross. Let let me read a couple of scriptures that talk about being in Christ. 
See if you don't know these. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Galatians 3.26. In Christ, we're all sons and daughters of God in one faith. Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. In Christ, all shall be made alive. We fool people all the time. How we look, how we sing, what we sing. We know the language. We know the wording of Christianity. But only two people really know, maybe three, you and Jesus and maybe your spouse. (laughs) I mean, think about some of the things that Jesus talked about. In Matthew 13, the parable of the wheat and the tares, the parable of the dragnet of fish. Just real quickly, the good and bad are growing up together, and they're separated at the end. And that has an implication for the church. The church, the church in theological terms is the consecrated body of Christ, but we're, we realize in the state that we're in, not Massachusetts, but the, the condition that we're in, the church is loaded with wheat and tares and good fish and bad fish. And one day it's all going to be separated. So I'm saying to you, church, figure out, are you in Christ or not? Make up your mind what you want to do. No one's going to twist your arm except maybe the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 22, we hear the story of the uninvited guest that made his way into the wedding. And like he snuck in. And when he got discovered, he, everyone was told, how'd you get in here? It's a picture of someone in the church that's not really in the church. There's someone that's around the cross, not on the cross. They're around, uh, they're, they're around Christ. They're not in Christ. Matthew 25 is the, the parable of the ten virgins. How five were ready, five weren't ready. But they were all in the realm. They all could have been ready to go. But when the bridegroom came, the five weren't ready. And they couldn't go. I'm just saying, make sure you're in Christ. How do you get in Christ? You repent. You, you, you die to yourself. And you know what you have to do. You put God first. You put others first. You, you die in your spirit, in your, in your, in your fleshly part. You, you, you put yourself second and put God first. Put your family before yourself. All demonstrations of how to be in Christ. Here's number two. If you want to go deeper in God, you've got to live in forgiveness. Verse number 13 again. I love this verse. But if you're in Christ, you're forgiven. Your burden is lifted. Your guilt is gone. You're free. You're lighter. You're not burdened. And you're not heavy hearted anymore because you know that you're forgiven and you're set free. We sing a song sometimes. His grace is enough. Absolutely true. Grace is unmerited favor from God. You don't, we don't deserve it, but he gives it. Mercy is not getting the punishment that we deserve. Grace and mercy. Live there. Live there. Verse 13, forgiveness and being alive in Christ are connected. We can't really live fully until we're, we know we're forgiven from God. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, receive his forgiveness. Whatever your sin problem might be, he already knows. And you're released to be who God made you to be. Forgiveness, 
liberates you, liberates you to be yourself. But there's more to that story. Because once that happens, and we know we're in good standing with God, we know that if we drop dead, we're going to heaven. You ever think that? I think that sometimes. Lord, if I drop dead, I'm going to be with you. Not that I'm wishing it, but I'm just saying. If I, if I died, I'm going to be with the Lord. I, I have a confidence of that. But because I know that, the other side of forgiveness is now that I've been granted forgiveness, God has called me to forgive other people. And this is where the spiritual becomes very uh, nat- natural but difficult. It's one thing if it was, I always say, it's one thing if it's just me and God. We're, we're cool, me and God. We're all right. It's just everybody else I can't stand. And the Lord is saying, no, if I forgave you, you've got to forgive other people. If you hold a grudge or you, you hold someone captive in your heart, and, 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 and if, that, if, that's just, if that's really the case, perhaps you've never really been forgiven by God because you don't know the feeling of release. Colossians 3, if you just look over there real quickly, verse 12, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering. That's a lot. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint, let him, uh, let him also forgive them as Christ forgave you. You must do and put on love. So I, I'm just, you know, as we receive Christ and we're forgiven, it's now for a purpose. We're right, but now he wants to use each of us to forgive somebody else that will help them receive his forgiveness. James 2.13 says, Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. That should put a little fear of God in our hearts. Judgment is without mercy to those who have shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. I would say live in forgiveness of your sin and grant that forgiveness to other people. If you want to go deeper... If you want to go deeper, receive his forgiveness and start forgiving other people. You'll be more Christ-like that way. Number three is this, verse number 15, about the principalities and powers. I would just say, you know what, church? Get in the fight. I'm not saying go pick a fight, but get in the fight. Because Christianity is a battle. I don't, I don't know what, any, what everyone else says. For me, faith is a, is a battle. There's always something to stand up for and to stand up to. There's always this inner battle of flesh and spirit going on in my life and maybe in your life too. But I, you have to get into the fight. You have to realize when you become, became a Christian, you entered the ring. Whether you realize it, or I didn't realize it at the time, but I realize it now. When you're a Christian, you're in the fight. You need to be in the fight. Many Christians aren't dealing with it. And life is going by, and they're living like half of their potential for Christ. And their gifts are never used in the church or for the church. But I'm saying, get in the fight. Ephesians 6, so just read it again. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles, the sneaky attack, the conniving, the, the deception that Satan throws at us all the time. But put on the whole armor of God, that you'll be able to stand and fight this good fight. Don't stand there and get mugged. Don't stand there and get beaten up by the enemy. Don't stand there and and just take a beating from the enemy and from people that represent the enemy. Stand up for yourself in Christ Jesus. 
I won't go into it, but I'll, I'll just make a reference in 1 Samuel 30. The story of David, when he returned from battle, came to Ziklag. You know the story? David went out to battle with his army. They're fighting and they're doing their thing. All the wives, all the children, all their belongings were at the camp at Ziklag. They come back from the battle. And the whole camp is destroyed. The women are taken, the kids are stolen, all their stuff is stolen. There's no sign of anything, smoldering. And everyone's discouraged and despondent and, 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 and upset. And then the army, David's army, turns on him and says, if it weren't for you, we would have been here to protect everybody. And right then, David was like beside himself. But it says something so interesting. In that moment of angst and despair, it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. Strengthened himself in the Lord. He said, he said, give me that ephod. You know the ephod, the little clothing to worship. Give me that ephod. I have to go worship God. In the middle of all this, David, you're going to go worship God? Yeah, that's how I'm going to, work. That's how I'm going to fight this battle. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to pray. And he did. And he finally said, Lord, what do we do? Do we go over there and get all of our stuff back? And the Lord said, yes. Go get back what the enemy stole from you. And he went and he did it and he brought everything back. I'm just saying sometimes we have to be a tough person on the inside and say, I'm not going to let Satan do what he's doing to me or my family. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to pray to God. But see, this is when it gets hard. But if you want to go deeper, I have to tell you, it may not be an overnight thing. It may not be a week or a month or even a year. It may be years in the making. But if you want to go deeper, you'll trust God through those storms. And you'll keep keep believing in God for the salvation of your family members or the need in your life or whatever you have going on. But you have to approach Christianity as this is a battle. Oh, we have the victory. Yeah, we do have the victory. But in day-to-day operations, there's little little, uh, wars to deal with all the time. We have the greater victory, yes. But we have little wars to deal with all the time. So in conclusion, you want to go deeper with God. You have to understand your your spiritual circumcision. You have to understand that you've been buried with Christ. You have to understand that you've been risen with Christ. You have to understand that you are, in fact, a new creation, and your sins are forgiven. And you can't look at yourself the way you used to look at yourself as someone who did this, 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 and this, and you're no good anymore. We have to look at ourselves as redeemed by the blood. Remember that song we used to sing many years ago? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. A hundred times, but it made a point. I learned that I was redeemed by singing that chorus in those days. Sang it for 10 minutes straight. I guess I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. All right, I'm redeemed. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what my mind says. I don't care what demonic forces say. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So here's, here's number one. Make sure you're in Christ and not just around Christ. Many people are around Christ. Culturally, Christianity in some ways is popular. Yeah, just, you know, do your thing. And, but make sure you're in Christ. Make sure that you're living in forgiveness, receiving it and giving it. And make sure you're in the fight. Make sure you're in the fight. Verse number 13, it says, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you 
all trespasses. Can we stand together and say that a couple of times? If you didn't hear anything I said, maybe you'd hear this one scripture. Because this is, this is to you. Verse number 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. One more time. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. Colossians uh, 2.13. Every head bowed for just a moment. I want to ask you, is there anyone here this morning that wants to go deeper with God? How many want to go deeper? You don't have to raise your hand for this, but I'm going to throw it out there. I haven't mentioned it in a while. Like this. How many of you, don't, don't show me or raise your hand, no one looking around. How many of you will join in the early morning prayer? No one's going to know except the Lord and maybe your spouse. You know? Now get up early and just seek God. I, I am. I'm doing it. Before my day begins, I'm, that's what I'm doing. And I'm encouraged when people say they're doing it too. So you want to go deeper? It's one way to go deeper. And I'll guarantee you, you won't feel like it sometimes. You might feel sick in the morning. You might feel hungry, whatever. You might feel like not getting out of bed. But if you determine to go deeper, God will honor your effort without anyone looking around, how many of you will make an honest attempt? And if you need help doing this with technology, let us know. But getting on the Wednesday night Bible study, the live stream, it seems to be going pretty well, 20, 25 people. But maybe on a Wednesday night from 7 to 8, it's not a big chunk of time. If you want to go deeper, study the Bible. And we're studying the Bible every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. Sunday evening prayer time from 6 to 7. You want to go deeper? Pray. You don't even have to leave your home. Get on a live stream. We may have, we varied from 20 to 35 people, I think, on Sunday night. That's good. But if you want to go deeper, you'll make time. Turn off the football game. Right? And just give an hour to God to pray. It's one hour. Jesus said, couldn't you just pray with me for one hour? Today, this Sunday, from this Sunday until the end of the year, there's 10 Sundays. So next Sunday, there'll be nine, counting next Sunday. So from here on, from here on out, from October 23rd until the end of the year, there's 10 Sundays, including this one. Could you make a vow to God? I will be in church. For the rest of the year, 
I'll be in church. I, I, I would challenge you to do that just to see what God will do for you. You may think that was a crummy sermon. The guitar was out of tune and she was flat, whatever. She was off key. Regardless, if you're in church, the presence of God is here. I would say put God to a little bit of a, not a test, but just see what God will do if you put yourself in a position to hear him and to worship him. I'll guarantee you right now, some Sundays you won't want to and you won't feel like it. But if you determine, I'm going to do this for 10 Sundays or 9 Sundays from here on out. I'm just going to see what God's going to do. So I'm going to pray. Father, Lord, thank you for this word today. Help us to go deeper. I pray for anyone that's on the fence to make sure they are in Christ. In fact, while I'm praying, if anyone wants to make that commitment, step out of your seat, just kneel down at the altar. Let the Lord know you mean business. I want to be in Christ, not just around Christ. I want to be on the cross, not just around it. I want to be, I want to be crucified with Christ. So the altars are open for anyone to feel like I need to make that commitment. If anyone needs to live in forgiveness, Lord, help us, help us to receive that forgiveness and to offer that forgiveness to others. And church, if you need that operating in your life, come pray, seek God for that. And, and Lord, help us to get into the fight. Let us not be wimps. Let us not be punching bags for the enemy. Let us stand up and stand tall with the armor of God on us, protected by the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God around us. Lord, let us, let us know how to fight this fight. And Lord, let us not feed the enemy. Let us not feed the enemy with our, with our, uh, our lackadaisical attitude, our, our, our in, indulging in things of the flesh, even little things that are an opportunity for the enemy to come in. Lord, let us not feed and tempt the enemy to come. Let us make a statement. We, we're men and women of God. We don't do those things. We don't think that way. We, we have the protective hand of God over our lives. And I, Lord, help us to be in the fight. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, for those on live stream today, may your blessing be there. May your Holy Spirit bring conviction where it's needed. And Lord, thank you for a great day in your house today. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for Pastor Appreciation Day. And thank you for the congregation, Lord. We thank you for one another. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we could bless you with an offering, our financial giving to you. Thank you for the children being involved. Lord, now as we get ready to go, may we leave with the fire of God in our spirit. Let us leave with, a, with an urgency in our heart that says, by the grace of God and by the power of his spirit, I am not going back to my old ways. Lord, let us be strong. Let us be encouraged. Let us help one another in this Christian journey. And Lord, one day when we make it to the other side, let us enjoy that total freedom and liberty with you. And may our legacy be man of faith woman of faith. So I thank you, Lord. I pray your blessing over the congregation now as we make our way. Let us have a good day and bless our prayer time tonight. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Uh, Doug, why don't you lead us? Uh, if anyone needs prayer, the altars are open. Uh, I think there's some goodies in the cafe over there. And I hope to join you in a few minutes. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Won't prosper when darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Yeah, my God will never fail. Because I'm going to see your victory. Shine.